Okay, tell them what just happened so that I don't embellish or exaggerate. Your daughter just called you and basically judged your whole online presence. She said, I've been having a productive morning, and I thought she was going to tell me she did the chores that I left her with. And she said, I just spent an hour going through your Instagram. Yeah, I'm so glad I can't get nobody pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, Ma. Good night, Pa. Good night, brother. What are you talking about? You are dressed like a Walton. It is finally a nice day, and I have a floral dress on. What no, of it? No, 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 no. It's not the floral part. What? You have gone from Lil House on the Prairie to the Waltons. What are you talking about? I'm just saying you're dressed pilgrim-like. <laughs> you are just like math. You're working so hard. Let me leave you alone, my sweet angel baby. I love you. You look very cute. You look cute in anything, but you are dressed like a wolf. Do you know why you're just like math? Why? Because I hate math. <laughs> no, you don't. Welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, where Joey Taranto <laughs> and I, for at least this episode, <laughs> on and to be determined later, recap ID's show, Disappeared episode by episode. What good thing happened to you today, Joey? There we go. I wasn't ready. And uh, listen, if you want more of this uh, decisiveness and just this energetic energy, by the way, we are recording on a Sunday. Please join us on the Drama Club. That is our Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus content. We do our ad-free episodes. We have done shows like See No Evil Snap, Evil Lives Here, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? We are smack dab in the middle of maybe the most bananas show we've ever covered. And that is Pink Collar Crimes, hosted by none other than our favorite woman with a bob, Marsha Clark. (laughs) The bob to end all bobs. This is where housewives and PTA moms are robbing banks and making Ponzi schemes. Yeah, there's a whole backlog of buffoonery for y'all to go through. I highly recommend our Patreon. (laughs) You can find it on our website. Just click the Patreon link. And we hope to see you there if you want more of us, which you should check yourself if you do. But I digress. (laughs) Uh, Should we get to the episode? We should. Buckle up. Why not? Season 8, Episode 1, American Gothic, tells the story of the disappearance of Lynn Messer. A Bible-teaching mom takes a midnight walk. If she was upset, she would just walk for a couple hours. But this time, she never comes back. There is something that is seriously wrong here. A Missouri community comes together. Hundreds of people walking straight lines through the farm. People don't just disappear, and when they do, we find them. But a mysterious note suggests frightening possibilities. Maybe it wasn't my mother's handwriting. A secret confrontation is exposed. I heard our door slam open. I'm like, it's four in the morning. We immediately secured the house as a crime scene. And one last revelation could bring this family together or tear it apart forever. He was not telling the truth. Now, before we get started, let's just give thanks, say a prayer, light a candle, throw a party, pop some bubbly, write a song, plant a gratitude tree, get a tattoo, get arrested, jump in the Hudson, (laughs) rob a bank. I don't care what you do, but my Christopher is back. My baby, my joy, my national treasure. We love you, Christopher. Although, you came back for probably an episode of Disappeared that has given me the most anxiety. We will get to that, but Christopher, please don't ever do that again. I'm not stable at the best of times, and certainly it has not been the same without him. Welcome back, Christopher, but let me just say, listeners, I hope y'all enjoy drinking at 7 a.m., because trust me, You're going to want a Bloody Mary with a White Claw chaser after this shit. So let's just actually have a really quick chat before we get into this episode. Yes. We recap this show. We give you all the information that we get. I love diving in and doing a ton of research. And we always are here for the victim and the victim's family. But there is kind of a little bit of an internal struggle we have with this episode. So let's just 
talk about it before we jump in real quickly. Just just tell the listeners, be honest. They love you. We are here for them. We know. But we are allowed to have, you know, our own thoughts and emotions and opinions. So go ahead, Joey. Well, this family is deeply rooted in religion. I'm not going to lie. It is somewhat triggering for me. Evangelical. Super evangelical. And we learn a lot. And it triggers me because as someone who grew up in a very strict conservative Christian home where I did not think being an openly gay man was ever an option, it's very hard for me to hear someone talk about how they were working on legislation that was rooted in Christianity. I've seen that go to work and plant really dark seeds in people's minds, especially queer people. So this whole episode is jam-packed with some of that and uh, also being a minister's kid, the idea of having to present something that is as close to perfect as you can get all of the time. It's not obtainable. It's not realistic. It's actually deeply traumatic. And so this whole episode triggered the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, and that's okay. And that's what we're here to talk about. But it should be said, and this is all available, you know, on the Google machine, this family, and we're going to learn that the father had a hand in a lot of anti-LGBTQ legislation. So we just want to just, you know, like, look at that big old pink elephant and just say, you all know where our hearts are, but we are here for the victim and we are here to talk about this story. So with that said, let's dive in. July 7th, 2014. It's a warm and humid evening in St. Genevieve, Missouri, home to country roads, cattle farms, and traditional family values. Here we are on July 7th, 2014 in St. Genevieve, Missouri, where we are told it's home to country roads, cattle farms, and traditional family values. Yeah, just as I'm about to celebrate Christopher and the actual love of my life coming back, he does what most of my partners have done, and that's just turn right around and piss me the fuck off immediately. (laughs) And yeah, when he says... And traditional family values. Wait, what was that again? Traditional family values. Yeah, there aren't a lot of groupings of words that I hate as much as... Traditional family values. Because I guess my question is, what are traditional family values? Because I tell my daughter, and I have told her this, you know this, I have said everyone's family is different and they are perfect. I love all your families. Whether you have a mom and dad, you are a single parent, a foster parent, adoptive parent, two moms, two dads, non-parent relative guardians, blended families, poly parents, childless families. We love all family structures and a family is defined by love, so I'm a little bit confused by that statement. Well, I don't know about you, but when I hear somebody say traditional family values or traditional families, I'm thinking of this archaic idea of a mom, a wife, Mm -hmm. two kids, a dog, and a white picket fence. And I'm like, baby, this is 2022. Now, granted, this was 2016. But still, even then, I'm like, that's not just, it's not America. Also, when I hear someone say traditional family values, I just know someone's going to call me a poo pusher and force me to watch vintage sports. (laughs) I can't explain it. I just have a feeling. He's got his feelings. He's entitled to his feelings. (laughs) 52-year-old Lynn Messer is wrapping up another long day on her 260-acre farm. She and her husband, Kerry, have been married for 34 years and have dedicated their lives to raising their children and grandchildren on a farm that's been in the family for four generations. So we learned that 52-year-old Lynn Messer and her husband, Kerry, have been married for 34 years. Congrats. And they have a 260-acre farm. Slutty years? (laughs) Slutty acres. I was just going to (laughs) say if you have that many years. I, because you gotta go acres away from all that bullshit. Every year they buy another 10 acres. They're like, I need to be about 10 acres more away from your I ass. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of acres. It's a lot of acres. And this farm has been in the family for four generations. That's a long time. It's a lot of generations. It's a lot of, it's a lot of generations. <laughs> I feel like I, if I inherited a place like that, I'd be like, you know what looks good on a farm? Gay porn. <laughs> Let's make gay porn. Let's get a bunch of hay, pretend that it's totally comfortable to be naked on it, Uh and we'll make a few dollars because I ain't trying to milk a cow. I'm not trying to fight a chicken. I'm not trying to wake up with the sun. Not my ministry. Gay porn, that's something I can get behind. The farmer in his delts. (laughs) My mother definitely loved being on the farm. There's no doubt about it. She loved animals. Uh, She loved everything about it. Earlier that day, Lynn worked in the pasture with Kerry and their two grown children. Younger son, Abram, is 32, and the eldest, Aaron, is 33. 
So we meet son Abram, who tells us that Lynn absolutely loved working on a farm. And on this day, she had been working on the farm with her family, with her youngest, Abram, who's 32, and her other son, Aaron, who's 33. And Aaron would like to explain farm living to us. Yeah. So Aaron now describes my actual worst nightmare, which is the family waking up with the son to go take care of the garden, feed the chickens. And then this man says, slop the pigs. To slop the pigs. Yeah, I would rather stick a bunch of needles in my eye. Far be it for me to judge how people live their lives. You want to shake the shit out of some snakes at a church service and roll the dice with your life that's your choice you do that shit you want to marry a man you're not in love with because that black mx gets paid every month more power to you baby but please someone explain to me the appeal and the draw of slopping some pigs when the sun just peeked its head over the horizon don't ever say slop pigs to me like ever morning noon and night i don't care for that i don't even want to know what it is i don't think i want to know don't ever mention slopping pigs to me or i will quit this podcast <laughs> please take a breath he's got veins popping out of both somebody sides somebody tell me somebody's gotta do it what is it slopping pigs yeah feeding them so, oh, listen, yeah that does make sense there's gonna be a farmer that's gonna slide into my dms <laughs> is he a jolly farmer anyway <laughs> Lynn's younger son, Abram, lives on the farm, a half mile from the main house, with his wife, Elizabeth. Not only were we neighbors, but we are family. So we would spend a lot of time together. She was very close with her sons. Abram lives with his wife, Elizabeth. They live about half a mile down the road, which is still on the property because that's 260 acres. Elizabeth (laughs) is here. We learn Aaron, the other son, is divorced with three kids and lives like half an hour away. We meet Deborah, Lynn's older sister, and she tells us how much Lynn loved being a meemaw. Yeah, she spent a lot of time with the grandkids. I think that's really sweet. She was very invested in them. And I will just say, as somebody who lost both of my grandmothers very young, I wish I would have had that. Like a sweet grandma who helped me with my math homework and shoved some cookies down my throat. Yeah, and she loved it. She loved being a grandma. She loved teaching them and doing art projects with them. You can do that because I don't like doing art projects. Um, (laughs) You are an art project right now. Art project is like trying to put my makeup on in a day and not looking like a fucking Picasso. (laughs) Are my eyebrows straight? I can't tell. So Lynn was also doing her part to improve the way people farm. You know, from the soil and the water, just trying to make farm life better. She was on the soil and the water board, and I got confused because isn't waterboarding something dirty? I mean, it's when you torture someone. Oh. Oh, I thought it was a sex thing. No, waterboarding's when you torture someone. But maybe somebody's... Well, hey, listen, one person's torture is another person's sex thing. Okay, I'm, I come with no judgment, and I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn, people. Go on with the borophil. Anyway, I just wanted to say that on the surface, I feel like I don't have much in common with Lynn. Yeah. But then Abram says... My mother loved dirt. And um, I realized that she's met my exes. Um, Because I, too, am attracted to dirt. Am I a farmer? Am I... Am I, I, am I hate you farmer? so much. I, I just know. keep walking into these things over and over again, but it's entertaining every time. Honestly, you're not wrong. Also, oldest son Aaron says they went to church every Sunday and Wednesday. And baby, I empathize because Aaron, growing up, we had church twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday. And at times they did prayer meetings on Monday nights. It's a lot of church. It's a lot of church. Well, he also says, he he said Sunday, Wednesday, and every time the church was open. Now, truth be told, I have not been to church in a minute, but aren't churches open all the time? Like, I feel like I've never come to a church and there's like a sorry, we're closed sign. I don't know how it works with like Catholic churches, but I know in our church, you couldn't just waltz in and be like, oh, hello, pastor. I'd like to say a prayer. Jesus Jesus has office hours. (laughs) She's like, not today. (laughs) I, I don't know. You're a minister's yeah, kid, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. Jesus puts up the sign, gone fishing. Yeah. Be back in an hour. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is um, like, can I have Can I have a minute? Jesus. <laughs> Wait, what? No, I mean me. Can I have a minute? <laughs> me. Is that what Jesus does? She also teaches religious studies class. She teaches Bible school. She does yeah. arts and crafts. She loves it. She was devoted. After class, Lynn goes to Walmart to buy more art supplies. She was looking forward to teaching her lessons the next day with those kids. But Lynn's passions were often tempered with bouts of anxiety. I think Lynn always wanted to resolve everything. Lynn never liked things left open. 
She had so much on her mind. Now, this is where we learn Lynn, like many of us, struggled with anxiety. And whenever she would get stressed out, she would take long walks on her many, many acres. And they just they just drop and say, you know, she'd walk, you know, 10 miles. Ooh, a lot of miles. <laughs> and we also learned that, sadly, her dad had passed four months prior. Yeah. And then on top of losing her father... Her doctor had told her that the chronic bursitis she had in her hips was only going to get worse. And basically, she was going to have to live with chronic pain for the rest of her life. I have seen that happen with a friend. It's heartbreaking because you want to help so badly, but there's nothing you can do. And you have to remember, Lynn was very active. And the feeling of your body, you know, turning on you. Yeah. She was also prescribed painkillers to try and help her get through the day and push through her work. Now, they I just want to note that they don't say that her medications were ever a problem. But that she did rely on them, too. Yeah. I mean, because she was still out there on that farm working sure. and, and running around teaching kids about Jesus. That's exhausting all on its own. Yeah. So the night of her disappearance, Lynn's husband, Carrie, is preparing for a weekly trip to Jefferson City where he runs a foundation that <laughs> promotes Christian principles in the Missouri State Legislature. Now. This is very ironic for reasons we find out later, but I do think that this is a good time to remind us all that we have something called separation of church and state Mm -hmm. in this country. You can believe whatever you want. You can worship however you want, but your religious views should not be influencing legislation, period. Yeah. And and they and they so much as say that. They say his mission was to make sure that Missouri legislature was matching up with what the Bible said, which, you know, I agree with. You know, you shouldn't wear clothes of both linen and wool because that's right. what Leviticus says, yeah. right? And, you know, you can't plant more than one seed in a field, yeah. right? That was very upsetting. And that was sort of like took a dive into Carrie's voting records. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't eat shellfish. Right. And your wife should menstruate on a bale of hay in another yeah. house. I mean, literally, that's how archaic this shit is. Yeah. So, you know what I always say, there's room for everyone in this world if everyone makes some room. Thank you very much, Helen Reddy and Pete's Dragon. At 11.30 p.m., Lynn leaves a message for her older son, Aaron. Aaron, it's Ma. About getting together the next morning. She asked me to bring my son's schoolwork with him so she could spend some time the next day working with him on his schoolwork. At 11.45 p.m., Lynn exchanges texts with her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth. I got a text message from Lynn asking if I would like to come swimming tomorrow. So Lynn had a busy day ahead of her. Babysitting grandkids, swimming, teaching Bible class. Lynn had shit to do. Yeah. And she's my kind of lady. Yeah. And so that night at about midnight, Lynn and Carrie go to bed. Then Carrie, the husband, wakes up in the middle of the night with a thunderstorm and Lynn wasn't in bed. And he, you know, kind of was just like, oh, I guess, you know, the thunderstorm woke her up too. And he gets up and starts looking for Lynn around the house. No Lynn. And he thought, well, maybe she's outside because we've been having this, you know, problem with our septic tank. So maybe she went to the barn to use the bathroom. She wasn't there. Also, we find out that Lynn apparently would take walks when she couldn't sleep. And admittedly, I don't know much about farm living, but farm or not, I feel like walks in the dark in the middle of the night is very dangerous. Is so scary. I mean, but listen, I don't know. I admittedly don't know shit about living on a farm. I just don't like the dark. Yeah, me either. So when he goes to the barn, he notices that one of the family's all-terrain vehicles is gone. I'm, I'm going to assume it's a four-wheeler. Right. And baby husband Carrie goes to his youngest son Abram's house at 4.15 a.m. Yeah. And is literally shouting his name. Yeah. And he's trying to open the door, you know, like not even knocking, but they've put a new chain on the door so it stops from opening. Like, hello, you can knock. So he's banging on the door and the dogs are barking. And then daughter-in-law Elizabeth does um, a reenactment. <laughs> Daughter Elizabeth is, you know, fancies herself a dramatist. <laughs> and she does a reenactment of Carrie's voice screaming, Abram! It, hap- it was I'm- very arresting. Abram! Oh, okay. I mean, they- yeah, oh, I believe you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And all of that, you know, singing in church because she has, she has excellent diaphragmatic she support. Does. She was really giving it to us. And, you know, Carrie is out there with no shirt and he's panicked and he says, did you take our four-wheeler? Did you bring the four-wheeler here? And they're like, yeah, what is going on? I mean, his dad showed up, no shirt on, tits out in the dark Missouri night, truck still running with the headlights on, and he's asking about the ATV? Yeah, and then they're going, what is going on? He goes, well, I don't know where your mother is. And then there was a commercial for Panera. (laughs) <laughs> on my discovery. Plus. Are you serious? Yeah. I hate you because I never know if you're telling me the truth. So there was there was a commercial. 
commercial for Panera on the show. Anyway, so then Abram's like, all right, calm down. She's probably in the empty apartment on the farm. Because remember, you have those septic tank problems. And then Elizabeth is like, right, also, she tends to get lost. Remember about the time she got lost that one time before? My mother's never been very good with directions. And when I was 10 or 12 years old, we got woken up in the middle of the night hearing my mother crying. She had gotten lost in the dining room. Now, this is either one of those stories that families tell that is very far-fetched and camp, but not really true. You know, it's like told for laughs or it like it gets exaggerated as it keeps getting told over the years. Right. Or Lynn has been dealing with medication issues or mental issues for a while yeah. because this story makes no sense. Yeah. And if it is true, I find it really sad and harrowing. Because apparently she got lost in her dining room. Right. I mean, well, Abram says, well, you know, my mother has never been good with directions. Now, we're not talking about directions like go 10 clicks southeast, you know, or, you know, we're talking about your own home. Yeah, she wasn't going to get circus peanuts at Dollar General. Yeah, (laughs) please don't ever do that. That's disgusting. And then they say she was crying because she was lost in her own dining room. And then we never talk about it again. They never. And the only thing they say is, well, we were 11 or 12. And I'm yeah. like, w- w- what? And I'm not trying to make a joke about this, but she was lost in her dining room. And apparently Christopher just wants to carry on because, you know, oh, I was very excited to have Christopher back. And now we have <laughs> And that was it. And I, I mean, we'll go back and we'll touch on that. But there was nothing expanded upon poor Lynn being lost in her own dining room. No, I, I mean, we get that anecdote because basically Abram and, and his wife, Elizabeth, are like, well... She'll show up. Yeah. She'll show up. So it's 6.45 a.m. the next morning, and Aaron, which is the oldest brother, gets to the farm to begin his work and has no idea his mother is missing. He lives, you know, off campus, you know, with his kids or whatever, and Carrie pulls him aside, like, extraordinarily indifferent, and is like, well, I can't find your mother. And in the words of Elle Woods... I'm sorry, I just hallucinated. They're like, wait. What? Yeah. Like, no, like, Aaron Aaron has no clue that this has happened. And he goes, oh, also, something else that's concerning me. Can we come up with a better word? I mean, truly. She left a note. Yeah. And I say, what's going on? Expecting in the back of my mind that he's going to say, oh, well, you know, she was over in the apartment. But instead, he just drops this bomb. And he says, well, because this note that she's left, I'm probably going to have to end up calling the sheriff's department. Now he's telling me that there's a note? Now I'm officially beginning to freak out. I'm like, there is something that is seriously wrong here. Apparently earlier that morning, Carrie found a note from Lynn on the kitchen table, and he only tells his son Aaron one sentence that the note said. It said, Pop, I love you, and I'm sorry. And before Aaron can ask a single fucking yeah. question, Carrie leaves. Yeah, he's like, all right, gotta go feed chickens. Aaron's like, I have Question. Yeah, truly. And Aaron is like confused and concerned. Now, Aaron is like, you know, a dollar short and a day late. And he does everything that they did. He goes to the barn. He's looking everywhere. So and doing everything they had already done. Now, Abram wakes up and he starts calling all the cell phones, starts calling Lynn's cell phone. No answer. So now it's 715 and Abram, remember the other son who lives on the farm, hears from his dad, Carrie. And Carrie is like, yeah, this note is peculiar. And then Abram's like, wait, there's a note? Yeah, why didn't you lead with that? Yeah, and and then Carrie, again, like he's just, you know, ordering his Popeyes, was like, yeah, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm going to call the sheriff's office. Yeah, and then he says, well, you should probably go move the cows, son. Yeah. yeah. What? And Abram's like, wait, move the what now? And then Carrie's like, come on. Things still need to get done. Go move the cows. Yeah, he's like, mom is missing and you worried about these milk monsters? Yeah. What is? What the shit are you talking about? <laughs> but instead of arguing with his dad, he does it. He moves the cows and we find out later on, yeah. Carrie's not the kind of man you argue with. Yeah, so Aaron calls 911 and we hear the 911 call. I need to talk to somebody and my mother's missing and we can't find her. My dad said he, when I got to the house this morning, he said he's been looking for her since 4 o'clock this morning, and she left a note. And what's your mom's name? Lynn, L-Y-N-N, Messer, M-E-S-S-E-R. Okay, I'll just send an officer out there, okay? And then we meet Sergeant Austin Clark, who was just starting his day. Now, Sergeant Austin Clark is... A respite. In middle school. It's a respite for me. 
because this case is very stressful. Yeah. And Detective Clark is easy on the eyes. Well, he's he's also a child. He is not a child. I was like, when did you graduate? Yesterday? He's in his early 30s. Oh, come on. And then we meet Supervisor Sheriff Stoltzer, who actually knows Carrie, and he says, you know, the words that I hate to hear, in Genevieve, these things don't happen. Well, guess what, Gary? You're going to learn today. And he says, you know, we're a small community of 18,000. People don't just disappear. I mean, why don't you just say she lit up a room and today started like any other day? Like, really tempt fate. I mean, also, did you notice that the sheriff kind of looks like Rodney Dangerfield? I didn't, but you're right. He does. And, I mean, listen, it's it's the yin and the yang. Detective Clark is easy on the eyes. I'd like to milk his cows. I think that's what they say in Missouri. <laughs> uh, and uh, this guy can't get no respect. So the sheriff talks to younger son, Abram, and he tells, basically, he tells them everything that happened and everything he knows, including the fact that you know, Lynn enjoyed long walks. Right. And they were like, oh, maybe she went off to, you know, have her thanks. Yes. You know, sometimes ladies have thoughts and they got to go out in the woods and sort out those thoughts. Then they can come back. It takes them about 10 miles yeah, to, to sort out them chicken thoughts. Chicken pot pie. <laughs> so they search the woods. Yeah. And Detective Clark stays and questions Carrie. And then they also do something which is a little out of the ordinary from the Brandy Hanna case. They secure the house as a crime scene. They sure do, baby. He was not playing. Now, the thing that they find is Lynn's purse, glasses, cell phone, her medical boot that she had been using because of a foot injury. She left it all behind. She didn't take anything with her. So it doesn't seem like she was going far. Then Carrie gives Detective Clark the mysterious note. The first thing I noticed is that it was an I'm sorry type of note. It wasn't an ordinary note saying I was, you know, going for a walk or I'll be home later. It says, I'm sorry I made you hate me. Sorry, everyone. And there is something very wrong with all of this. So the cops are like, now what's going on here? Is she depressed? And Carrie gets super defensive and he goes, no, never. And now we're getting this from the sons. The sons are telling us that this is what husband Carrie said. Yeah. Now, listen, let me remind you, Carrie is pushing for Christian-based legislation to be enacted in the state. And here's what I know about those types of uber-religious people. They go out of their way to deny any wrongdoing. Everything is always wonderful. Family, home life, work. Everything is seemingly perfect and glory to God and all that bullshit. And God forbid there is a family member who actually is suffering outside of the religious scope of their family because if they're suffering at all detracts from the image, yep. and image is everything, I would imagine, to someone like Carrie, they become not just a problem, they become a liability. So someone like Carrie can't have a depressed wife right. or a wife with suicidal thoughts because it fucks with the illusion. Right. And that's why Carrie is so pressed when the cops start digging. So then the cops continue to question and they say, you know, has she been on antidepressants or any kind of medicine? And again, Carrie is super defensive. No, never. And Abram like gets like an error 404 message and he's like, um, <laughs> yes. She has died. She's she's been on antidepressants for 10 years. She's been battling depression. Yeah, and that's a huge red flag for him. I mean, I can't imagine seeing your dad lie so blatantly about I like know. that to the cops. And you're like, oh, you're fucking hiding something. Yeah, and then Sister Julie explains that, you know, exactly what you just said. He has a place in the community. He didn't want people to know she's on antidepressants. Of course, we know there is no shame in that. And, you know, sometimes in life we feel ashamed for having negative emotions. And then, you know, that compounded with sadness and fear and all those anxieties. And it was sad. It made me really angry. I'm not going to lie. It made me very angry. angry. And I will say, like, I... I usually don't. I love writing jokes and I love finding the humor. A lot of this really made me angry because I'm like, what do you care more about? Do you care more about what people who really don't mean fuck all to you are saying about you and your family? Or do you care about your wife's well-being who is clearly struggling? Let me make a list of probably a hundred ways that you can go and fuck yourself. Yeah. No, it's really, really upsetting. And, you know, to him, if his wife had mental illness, they didn't have a perfect family. Yeah. And to me, it screams toxic masculinity. It screams religious egotism. It's not a good look. Now, daughter-in-law, Elizabeth... Yeah. Maybe she graduated from Down Bitch University with a <laughs> with a minor in I'm not scared of you, bitch. Yeah. Because she's like, 
The sheriff should know everything. And she says to her husband, Abram, did you tell the sheriff about what happened with your mother in the barn? And the police are like, come again now. What was that? Yep. yep. And Abram's like, okay, here's what's up. Six months ago, my mom, Lynn, was sadly contemplating suicide. And she had taken a gun and she wanted to end her life. And she didn't. And she stayed with us. And Carrie is here saying, my father starts yelling, be quiet. That never happened. Stop making things up. Elizabeth takes a step back and she goes, well, please stop yelling at me. But I do know that it happened because she told me. And my father says, well, I didn't know that you knew about it. <gasps> I, baby. Ellen. Ellen, Yellen yeah. Marie Marsh. Yeah. Secrets. This yeah. is what I want to say. Like, baby, now we have secrets. Yeah. We are, we are dealing with secrets. And let me tell you, secrets always come to the light. But before they do, they cause so much destruction. They can leave a wake of disaster. So now Abram realizes that his dad is not telling the truth. Yeah. And he's like, this dude knows more than he is letting on. Mm-hmm. So now police realize that it could be dealing with a possible suicide and they ramp up their search of the immediate area. They get rescue dogs coming in from other places. They have a lot of help coming in from St. Louis. Hundreds of people joined this search and they comb the farm three times. That is hundreds of acres. Three times. And they find nothing. So maybe she didn't die of suicide because they say, last I checked, People don't take their lives and hide themselves. Yeah. And now husband carries on the local news talking about Lynn and talks about seeing the Lord's face and putting feet to their prayers. What? What? Now, listen, I'm not going to lie. There is something about this man I don't enjoy. Several things. There's an air of arrogance. He seems very self-righteous. And granted, those are things that trigger me. But with that said, those things don't mean he's involved. However, the fact is that he has not been super forthcoming, most likely because of his extreme religious views. It just rubs me the wrong way in every way you can be rubbed. I'm talking sandpaper to my delicate backside. It is a very cute backside. I've seen it. So has everyone on the Facebook page. This is true. It's okay. But there is a new theory for her disappearance. Maybe she might have taken the wrong medicine or taken too much of it and got disoriented and left the house and just didn't realize who she was or where she was at the time. She was taking a sleeping pill and pain pills and antidepressants. Maybe one of those had caused her to just wander off. Now, uh, again, we learned that Lynn has confused her medicines before. She's passed out in her kitchen as well as wrecking her car. She wrecked her car Mm -hmm. because she took sleeping pills instead of pain pills. I don't like speculating on a victim's family, but if she was lost in her own home, frequently took the wrong medicine, which is exceedingly dangerous, we already know that Carrie lives in a state of fucking denial. Is she suffering from some early onset dementia, Alzheimer's that no one wants to address? I say this not to point fingers at the family, but to try and understand these are dangerous mistakes. Yeah. I mean, when you're mixing medications and sleeping medications, it's not like you make a whoopsie and and you pour blue cheese instead of ranch on your salad and you get a little bit of a surprise in your mouth. Yeah. You get a lot of surprises in your mouth, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. You want to talk about the surprises in your mouth? Oh my God. No, but I'm saying that. that I'm just so invested in what you're saying and then you took that turn I wasn't mentally prepared for. I know. You were just staring at me. I was was like, like, I got to I got nothing. (laughs) So they did put up roadblocks in the surrounding area at nighttime to see. Like checkpoints. Yeah, checkpoints to see if anybody had seen anything or like seen anything weird. Nobody had. And because it yielded no new information, things are looking dire. So another full day and night go by and the police switch things up and they ask the family to take polygraphs. Yeah. And you know my feelings on polygraphs, but great. And Abram's responses are curious. And then he says, I failed. Uh, I failed the polygraph. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> I would probably fail a polygraph, too. Same. So you all know I was on that game show bullshit. Yeah. Your fate is in Ellen's hands. If Ellen calls bullshit, you're gone. Sometimes you get confused in your own head about what is, you, you know what I mean? Like, I make things up in my head all the time. I hear a siren and I'm like, wait, do I have a dead body in my trunk today? <laughs> okay, I don't, th- what if there is? But what if there 
is. Oh, I mean, I get it. The nerve. So anyway, you know, you all know my feelings on polygraphs. So they rightfully interrogate Abram for nine hours. You know, and they ask him the questions. Did you want to hurt your mother? You know, all of these things. And then he confesses about a big argument they had recently had. Yeah. So a week prior, Abram and his mom, Lynn, had an argument about the way he was raising his kids. Okay. And Abram says, I lashed out, which was very unusual for me, but it happened. And listen. You can't tell people how to raise their kids. Nothing will make you see red and rage like someone coming for your parenting. Listen, I'm just trying to raise my kid not to be an asshole. My bar is to the ground. But you know what? Judge me when you're fucking perfect. Absolutely. Listen, it's I get very defensive when people try to judge me on how I'm raising my cats. And how I correct them and how, you know, like their school and all that stuff. Like, Edie's I don't a little enjoy dick. it. Edie is a dick. <laughs> She's not sociable. She's got horrible manners. <laughs> Tucker, you know, Tucker has his moments, but Edie's a c- Your cats are now, she said the C word, not me. I'm just saying, those little assholes. I li- but they're my assholes. Yeah. But you know what an asshole is, actually? Someone who tells their mom what's good on their social media. I know. Can you believe? <laughs> I, had, I had the phone on speaker in this booth, and she was like, well, you should go back to that series, Mom. That was way funnier. Little b- <laughs> Come on up here, little b- mouth. I'll pop you in your little b- face mouth. B- dumb b- mouth. B- wow. I'm just saying I empathize Abram and listen we all have fights with our parents anyway you can see him get choked up when I realized that I had yelled at her the way that I did I apologized and I told my mom that I loved her and I wrapped my arms around her and I gave her a hug well, listen, also, no one wants to talk about the fight that they had with their mother the week before she of died. Course. You know how I went through this with my dad. Yep. Like, my dad and I had a few weird months last year. Thank God I talked to him the week before he died, and we had a lovely 30, 45-minute conversation that meant the world to me. But imagine I didn't have that. Yep. And things are complicated. Nobody's perfect. I don't blame that man for not wanting to talk about it. But they made their peace, and you know what? Abram, if you're out there, I am sending you a mental hug and kiss because I know that feeling and I'm glad that you had that resolution with your mother before she passed. They asked me over and over and over again, why did you move the cows? The detectives are curious if Abram moved the herd on the morning after Lynn disappeared to cover up evidence. So now the detectives ask Abram, they're like, um, real quick, so why did you move the cows that morning? And he's like, that is a great question. Oh, yeah. Um, I did it because my dad told me to. And they're like, the detectives are like, well, funny, because the dogs picked up Lynn's scent exactly where those cows ended up that morning. And Abram's like, come a fucking again? Dude. What? When I tell you. That the hairs on my yeah. body stood straight up like I had just stuck my yeah. finger in an electric socket. Yeah. I did not like that feeling. And I cannot even imagine how Abram felt because he was like, fuck. Yeah. My dad purposely had me move those goddamn cows where he knew her scent would be so cops would look into me yeah. and not him. So then then Abram goes back to his dad and it was like, hey, uh, Pop, why'd you have me move the cows? I mean, already my mind is your wife is missing and you're worried about farm chores. Now I get it. You know, you gotta make a living, but it's the morning of and you're carrying on business as usual. So that already hit yeah. my spidey senses in a weird way. But let's just say for argument, he was trying to keep some kind of normalcy on the farm and he was trying to keep his mind off it. Let's just say that. So then Abram was like, so why'd you have me move the cows there? And Carrie goes, oh, you know what? Mama Lynn told me the night before that the cows had to be moved. So I was just following um her direction. Yeah. I mean, the passing of every single buck that comes across to this man, Carrie. Listen to me. Okay. I don't know much about much. Yeah. I don't know much about milk monsters. <laughs> but what I do know is those goddamn cows could have waited another day or two uh, yeah. before rotating. Also, why are we rotating cows? I don't, they, do they get bored? They have to eat like the grass. They eat the grass and they have to move Girl, them to another ain't spot. ain't nobody eating till my wife comes home. <laughs> Fuck them cows. I know. They it's don't true. know which way. They can't even run. Yeah. Well, they can, but barely. Police request that Kerry retrace his actions before Lynn went missing. And Kerry volunteers a detail they find strange. Kerry 
said he had washed his dog in the bed of his pickup truck the night that Lynn went missing. And I thought it was odd that someone washed their dog in the bed of a pickup truck. Detectives wonder if it's possible that Carrie was also trying to wash something else. So you have like, I don't know, roughly like five to a billion acres of land, but you washed your dog in the bed of your truck, my dude? Okay. Yeah, I was really trying hard. Yeah. I'm from the South. I've wait, seen some crazy wait, shit. Okay. What? I don't like from your the, attitude. From where in the South? Like Florida? His, his wheels are turning. No, his wheels are turning. turning. What are you going to say to me, baby? Come on, <laughs> come on. Get something good. When I want to hear about stinky hippies, uh-huh. I will talk to you, the San Francisco treat. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm from the South, and I have seen some crazy shit. But I Oh, was, you hear that? People from San Francisco, he called you stinky hippies. Your DMs are going to blow up. <laughs> I did not call them stinky hippies, but there's a lot of stinky hippies. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, it's like, I was really trying to understand for a second, right, yeah. why someone would wash their dog yep. in the bed of their truck. I'm thinking, like, what could be... The reasons. I came up with nary a one. But here's some more. Could you think of one? No, especially not when you've just got grass and pasture and shit. So they searched the house. They also found a bunch of bleach bottles. And Carrie's like, oh, no, no, I can explain that too. See, we make our own bleach. That's a thing? Well, listen here. So I read some articles and they defended this by saying that the Messers were notorious penny pinchers. Sure, but you can get about a gallon of bleach for like a dollar twenty-nine, and bleach isn't easy to make. I googled it. But since time is so important on the farm, and they work all day, and they work all night, and they wake up with the sun, and the time commitment that it would have taken to make their own homemade bleach versus going to Walmart, which you know Lynn loves Walmart because she was there that day going to get art supplies for Bible school to buy a gallon of bleach doesn't track. It's what in science they call hogwash. <laughs> You're hogwash. I mean, what do we know the average bleach bills on a farm? I truly know nothing about farming except it that I don't want to do very, it. very, very cheap. Yeah, so investigators at this point, they go back to the note because Detective Clark was like, well, I guess it was just them pinching pennies. Yeah. I'm like, how many pennies they pinching? But the detectives also have doubts about the note that Kerry says he found. One of the things I noticed about the note when it was written was that it was printed. And just from looking around the house, I noticed that Lynn typically wrote in cursive. When I discovered that, I I definitely thought that maybe something was wrong. They focus on the note that was left the night she disappeared. And the first thing is, is that Lynn typically wrote in cursive, and this note was written in print. Right. And even Abram was like, look, it looks like my mom's handwriting, Mm -hmm. but to be honest, I'm not so sure. The Patsy Ramsey of it all. Oh, my God. So they send the note in for handwriting investigation through the FBI. See it in five years. Yeah. yeah. They learned that it was written at different times with different pens. So Abram says the beginning looks like it was written in a thin pen. Then the middle looks like it was written with like a Sharpie. Yeah. And then the end goes back to the thin pen again. And the FBI is like, ugh, inconclusive. Knock, knock. FBI? Is anybody fucking there? Really? So all of this nonsense just leads to more questions and zero answers. So, oh, here we go. Seven months pass. And Carrie's on the news again. He's quite a local celebrity. And uh, he, you know, he's saying, I don't know if it was pain medication or what happened. Something went wrong in her mind. Something went wrong in her mind. Now, right about this time, Carrie is like, oh, miss my wife. But also, here's my new girlfriend. Baby. Oh. This man pushing for legislation based on biblical truths, traditional family values. Values? Values. That too. Values. And there's another woman. And you know what her name is? Fucking Spring. Spring. I hate it. And Carrie's like, okay, okay, I know. I know this sounds weird. I know this sounds weird, right? (laughs) I've been devastated. She was there to hold my hand and my penis. But no, 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 no. You guys, 
This this all this all went down after she went missing. We're in love. Everything. No, it was after she went. I know it's loony, right? Yeah. But you know, love just happens upon you. Yeah. The family ain't buying that shit. No. They like we might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. Youngest <laughs> son Abram says he doesn't believe for one second that this relationship came out of nowhere. It was there. And now, daughter-in-law Elizabeth, who also minored in I Got Receipts, uh, <laughs> thinks that Lynn knew about Spring. Yeah. Listen, we do not know what happens behind closed doors. We don't know the ins and outs of people's relationships. But what I do know is I'm going to pick your ass apart. If you are trying to enact family value-based yep. legislation and you're having a fucking affair yep. and then you weren't even honest about it and you're not being forthcoming about your wife's disappearance, baby, you can choke on several dicks. Yeah. If you Remember, you got one finger pointing at someone else. You got three pointing back at you, baby. Yep. And it's a little shocker right there. Boop, boop. Okay. <laughs> After learning about Carrie's girlfriend, investigators speak with Abram and Aaron. The police presented the evidence that my dad was a suspect. And in that context, they proposed two possibilities. That perhaps my father is directly involved in causing my mother's demise, murdering her. The investigators go back to the sons and they're like, hey, um, so maybe your dad's a suspect. M- maybe he did it. I mean, maybe she died by suicide and Carrie covered it up. And then Abram says, you know, I just wish she would tell us the truth because the truth will set you free. And I said, no, baby, the truth will give you life with no parole. <laughs> OK, but somebody knows Fucking he does. something. He does. He knows it. He has the answers, and he's also not stupid. Yeah. Because he knows that there is zero evidence linking Carrie, or anyone else for that matter, to Lynn's disappearance. It's so fucked. Yeah, it's so upsetting. So two years pass. Hope is there, but it's fleeting. And then November 1st, 2016, Twist. Po- poor Aaron and his daughters are walking along the edge of the farm, and they happen upon a human skull. I didn't want to believe that this was human. Uh, We find things in the woods all the time. But the skull was laying on its side, and the teeth were faced up, and you could see fillings in the teeth. There's no question these are human remains. This is my mother. He said the skull was laying a certain way and you could see underneath the teeth and there were there were fillings in the teeth. And he says there is a human. These are the remains of my mother. Now, what is crazy about this, y'all, is they had already started filming this disappeared episode. Oof, I just got chills. I know. So when we see this interview, it is the actual day. Yeah. Because they had recently just started filming this episode. So they compare the dental records, and they were indeed the remains of Lynn Messer. And the thing is, is that she was never buried. So they're like, if she was never buried, how did search teams miss her? Because these searches were hundreds of people, over hundreds of acres, back and forth. And where her body was found was directly below where the cows had been moved that morning after she disappeared. Yeah, those fucking milk monsters that he made his son go and rotate or whatever the fuck they do. And they're thinking, well, maybe the dogs were distracted by the cows. You think? Yeah. You think? And do you know where the dogs had picked up that scent? Yep. Was exactly where Lynn's remains were. Yep. So the week after they found her remains, Carrie gives this chest of his talking with his full chest sunglasses on, which is a tell for me. And all the confidence of a mediocre white man who's stroking the Bible. Did you kill your wife? Did you do anything to harm your wife or to cause your wife's death? No, absolutely not. Uh, Ben and I have had a very loving and abiding marriage and relationship. He says how they had a loving and abiding marriage. That made me so angry. Baby, you don't own anyone. Yeah. You don't own people. Also, he says, well, I'm not sweating over what police found because I know there's no evidence that implicates me or my sons. Yeah, baby, because you got the bleach in your house. I mean. (gasps) Are we going to get sued, Patrick? I mean, I don't know. So, And he's also like, I want the answers to the accusations. 
yep. will go away. Yep. So the reporter asks him point blank, did you kill Lynn? And he says, absolutely not. So that's sort of where it ends. You know, yeah. they speculate on all the possibilities. You know, they plead to have further understanding because that's the thing. Someone always knows, right? Yeah. And we don't know the cause of death. Yep. And I went to Aaron's Facebook page. Actually, it was it was a thread that had, you know, passages from his Facebook page. And he had written a lot about his feelings towards his father. And he basically said he had to wake up every morning and convince himself that his father had nothing to do with his mother's death. Now, I also found um, a quote from Abram, and Abram had said in the paper, he said, for two years, I've been begging my father to tell the truth and to be open, to come clean about what he knows that he's not sharing. I've gone to him in private. I've endeavored him to engage in our church community. Every time I've pressed him or requested him to tell the truth, his reactions have become angrier and more volatile. In the past two years, I have not turned my back on my father. He has pushed us away every step of the way. Every time we have reached out, he has pushed us away. So my heart with those two boys, just that struggle, my heart goes out to them. I hope we get answers. I hope we find out what actually happened to her. The family deserves to know. uh, And now y'all know why this was deeply triggering. Yeah, no. And that's what we had to talk about at the top of the show. So, of course, if you have any information about the death of Lynn Messer, please reach out to the St. Genevieve Police Department at 573-883-3999. This woman deserves her closure. Say something funny. Well, it's like the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 512. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up and mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> What key was I just in? Oh, it's a Sunday. We're recording on a Sunday. That was the new King James version, by the way. We love you guys so much. Thank you for going on this crazy journey. Listen, we only have two seasons left, so we'll see what's coming next. But we would love you to follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is The Disappeared Pod. You can find me at Ellen Marsh. You can find Joey at It's Joey Taranto on Instagram. Instagram. You can also join our Facebook group. Boop. Ooh. Our Facebook boop. That is where we do <laughs> all of our catching up with all of our true crime besties. Yes, it's called. Drum roll, drum roll. Okay, it is called the Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Space. The uh, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Woo! Yeah! Honey, I circled the airport a few times, but I landed that motherfucking plane. <laughs> We're also on Instagram and TikTok, and join us on the Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus content, and we take your suggestions. Every series we have covered is something that you guys have sent us and voted on. We love making you happy. We are so needy. We will pretty much do whatever you want at this point. This month, our extra bonus thing is going to be true crime trivia. By the time you heard this, you would have already have done it. But once a month, we do something fun, either an AMA or a Zoom hang. We did our hot takes episode, which you guys love, which I think we're going to do again. So if you have any ideas of the bonus thing you want for the month, our DMs are always open. And do not forget about Obsessed Fest, baby, in September. We will be there. Patrick and Jillian will be there. A shit ton of your favorite podcasters. Pretty much every favorite podcaster I mean, that you have in the true crime space is going to be there. And we're all going to hug the shit out of you. We can't wait. We love you so much. Thank you so much for supporting us and letting us sit in this crazy box and just squawk at you. We, we love, love you so much. love you so much. Bye. Okay. Probably. Remember also, when Patrick gave us the note that our episodes were too long? Here we are. I know. Also, like, Jesus does need a break. I'm sure Jesus sometimes yeah. is like, girl, I'm busy. Call your therapist. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That's all, you know, and also the people, at least the people in my church, they complained a lot. That's a lot of complaining. The people at my church are talking about the one-eyed cat with the heart congestion or their cousin who went back to prison for murder. And I'd be like, ma'am, I'm 13. I am 13. I'm, I'm, if it's not full house or a penis, I don't care. I, I mean, seriously, I would get an earful at 13 from people at church. In the meantime, I don't care about the bunions on your toes. Okay. Truly, I don't. Goes to his youngest son. What? Son. His son. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> I, I re- And ask. What did I just say? Skirt and (laughs) exter. If she'd like to go swimming. 
Sorry, that was such a mess, editor. I apologize. We were all over the place on that one. Try and make it make sense. Yeah. I think it's uh, Jeff. Hi, Henny. I think he's in Canada. Listen, it's like my grandma used to say, a dollar make me holla, honey boo boo. <laughs> um, okay. If it's not full house or a penis, I don't care.